Well, good morning. As you can see, God is alive and He is working in us and through us and for us. Can just help me praise Him? We help me do that. Amen. Well, we're we're excited to have each one of you here and welcome to our 29th birthday celebration. Can you believe that? I know I look that old, right? 29 years, God has been working in us and through us, and it's an exciting day to celebrate that. This is also the day that we call short sports a summer picnic, and I see that some of you wimped out this morning when you saw the rain. But I'm going to wear my shorts and be proud of it. Amen? (laughs) So um, please find your message outline, if you will, and if you have a basket of pins underneath your chair, just pass those to someone near you so they can take some notes as we share God's Word this morning. Great to have you here. Go ahead and turn in your Bible or on your phone to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll be there in just a moment. Now, for the past few weeks, as you know, we've been talking about the kind of habits that we need to strengthen in our lives, and we've been talking about all these different habits that you see up here, the kind of things we need to strengthen if we really do want to grow closer and closer to Jesus Christ. And the habit I want to talk with you this morning is about the habit of evangelism, and that's a huge word that we don't talk about a whole lot. But evangelism is very simply the habit of going to someone, and when the time is right, telling that someone about Jesus Christ. Now, most of us know that the main thing Jesus has called us to do is to go into our city, into our world, and there make more and better followers of Jesus Christ. And that that is the main thing. When you boil down all of Christianity... That is the main thing that God has called every Jesus follower to do and every church to do. In fact, Jesus says it this way, go and make disciples of all nations. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. But the sad, sad truth is many Christians and many churches are not doing that today. Many churches are focusing only on becoming better followers of Jesus Christ. They're focusing just on one part of that great commission, that thing that Jesus had called us to do. They focus just on the teaching part. And the sad thing is that many of those churches literally are dying. Many of those churches are decreasing instead of increasing because they're neglecting the going and the making of more followers of Jesus Christ. They've stopped trying to influence their family. They've stopped trying to influence their neighbors, their co-workers, their school, the parents they sit beside week after week in the ball field playing baseball, long hours, got a lot of time to talk, right? They've stopped trying to influence parents and and people and and gyms where people are, are watching their kids compete. And so their churches are decreasing instead of increasing. Now, I found that none of us really feel prepared to go and tell somebody about Jesus. But I found over the years that the greatest growth comes to those of us and to those churches who do step out and share God with people more and more. The greatest growth comes when we shine a light to those around us. And why is that? Well, it's because there's nothing that'll cause you to pray more. There's nothing that'll cause you to read the word of God more than when you are stepping out and sharing Jesus with other people. Because it can be a scary thing to do. But you grow because it puts you on your knees and in the word. And it causes growth. But look at what Jesus says that we are. As individuals, take a look at what he says we are as a church. Take a look at this. He says in Matthew chapter 5, first word, you. 
You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, as you look at that, you might be thinking, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say that he was the light of the world? Yep, he did, and he is. He is the light of the world, but the truth is this. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent to earth his Holy Spirit. And when you invite Jesus Christ to come into your life, it is his Holy Spirit that comes into you, cleanses you, washes you, forgives you, and gives you the gift of life eternal to you. And that means that Jesus, the light of the world, by his Holy Spirit, is living inside of you. And that means that you are now the light of the world. Now say that with me. I am the light. Here we go. I am the light. Say it again. I am the light. We need to let that go down deep into our spirit. And we need to let ourselves understand that when we move out into our world, our city, our family, our schools, wherever we go, that we are the light of the world. That's what Jesus says we are. Wherever you are, you are the light. Write that down. You are the light. Anybody who has the light of the world, Jesus living in them, is the light of the world. There's something that happens, and you can't see it. Maybe you can't feel it. But Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And wherever you go, there's an impact. And that means if we who follow Jesus are the light of this world, if we were ever to be removed from this world, the only thing that is left is darkness. If you read the book of Revelation, it talks about the rapture. And when the people of God, the light of the world, are removed, there's going to be nothing left but a world of darkness. And I don't know how you feel, but I feel like we're living in a time where more and more people are living literally in darkness, in sin like never before. We're living in a world where more and more people actively oppose what we as Christians, Christ followers, believe. And therefore, we're kind of tempted to keep what we believe to ourselves, to keep it kind of covered up. We're tempted to stop letting our light shine. We're tempted literally to cover it up, to not let it really shine like Christ is calling us to shine. We're tempted to hide our light. And so when we go to our job, the temptation is to show up every day, do our work, but make minimal contact with those at work. To only do what's necessary to get the job done, and we clock out without really engaging with someone. Or if you do engage with others, the temptation is to do your best to blend in, to do the same things that they do in order to try to not stand out, to not let your light be too bright, and to definitely not share about your faith or what you believe. But people, why do we even light lights? It's not to keep them hidden, right? We light lights to let people around us see. Once again, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Put it, your light, on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, first century houses were really, really small. 
So usually one lamp was enough to light the whole house. And so when the sun would go down, they would light a lamp. They would put it up on a pedestal or up on a stool so it could give light to everyone in the house. So nobody ever turned on a light and then covered it up. Doesn't make sense. No, they lit it up. They lifted it up. They let it shine so everyone could see. So Jesus is making the point, we are the ones who are to bring light into our dark and sinful world. But if we don't let our light shine where he has placed us, darkness will reign in that place. Now, those who don't believe in Jesus, those who are living in darkness today, though they may consider Christians as their enemies, they're not our enemies. They are our mission field. They they are people that God loves, people that, that Jesus died for. So Jesus wants you and me to walk into their lives and shine. He wants us to to shine so brightly that they see that a better life is possible through Jesus Christ that's living in us. Because to be honest, without Jesus, they're traveling down a road that leads to eternal hell for their sins. And without the light from our lives helping them see a better life through Jesus, they may never find their road, their way to the road that leads to eternal life in heaven with Jesus Christ. So without your light, and listen, without your light, there may be some in your family, some of your friends, some of your neighbors next door, some of your coworkers that just might be lost forever. You are the light. So write this down. So let your light shine. Let your light shine. Now listen close. Your life, your light can make more of a difference in other people's lives than maybe you've ever dreamed. People see how you're walking. They see how you're talking. They see how you're living. They watch where you go on Sunday mornings. Your light can make more of a difference than you've ever dreamed. If you're a history buff here this morning, you may remember the story of the SS Californian. It was a ship in the Atlantic Ocean the very same night that the Titanic hit the iceberg and sank. Now, it wasn't the only ship in the Atlantic Ocean, but it was the closest ship to the Titanic. But for reasons still unknown today, when the SS Californian got the first distress call from the Titanic, it ignored the Titanic's call. And suddenly the captain ordered all of the lights in the ship to be turned off so the ship could not be seen. And there are many historians who believe that if the SF Californian had tried to help the Titanic, that most everyone who lost their lives would still have been saved. And in the aftermath of the sinking of the Titanic, many questions were raised. Mainly, how could a ship know so many people in danger, about ready to lose their lives, and not do anything to help them? That's the question every one of us needs to ask ourselves this morning. Knowing that so many people are in danger of losing their lives for all eternity, how can we know of so many people in danger and not do anything to help them? How can we just go about our lives, do our own thing, and not help them? You are the light in your home, in your office, in your school, in your neighborhood. And Jesus has placed you where you are because you are surrounded by people who need the light that you have. Amen? We know who they are. So I want to encourage you, shine. 
Man, I'm glad the battery still worked. Shine. Wherever you are, let your light shine. Now, we all know that we need to let the light of Jesus shine through us, but the question is, how in the world do we do that? How do we do that? Jesus tells us how. Here's how. Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The key is in the phrase right there, good deeds. That's how you and I stand out. That's how your light shines. It's through your actions. Words are important, but Jesus is saying that it's your good deeds that show others the light of Jesus living in you. So you want to be a light to help your coworkers and your family members and your, and your neighbors see Jesus? Then lead with good deeds. They have a need, you lead with good deeds. Lead with loving actions, and they will see Jesus the light of the world living in you and working through you. Folks, what did I see the days and the weeks and the months after Shirley died? Let me tell you, I saw Jesus living in you. I saw Jesus working through you like never before, through your good deeds, through your loving actions and words and hugs and cards and financial gifts and just all kinds of food showing up on my doorstep. I saw Jesus Christ living in you. And you lit up the road for me as I was on the darkest road of my life. Amen? But I saw you, and I saw Jesus living in you through your good deeds. And I just want to say thank you, church. Thank you. Amen? Good deeds are how we let our light shine. Now, there's a trend in some churches and in the Christian faith today where some Christians are saying to their friends who are living in sin and living in darkness, well, we're not a lot different. I believe in God and I believe I'm going to heaven, but I can do the same things you do. But no, that's not true. That's not the life that Jesus has called you and me to. You and I are supposed to stand out. We are supposed to bring light into the darkness. We are supposed to be different. We are supposed to be blameless and righteous and pure and set apart from sinful things. And all of God's church said, amen. amen. And if you live like that, if your light shines like that, I think you're going to begin to get some questions from your family, from your friends, from your coworkers like this. You mean to tell me you don't ever get drunk? Ever? They're going to say, and you're not going to join us as we gossip about our coworkers? And they're going to say, and you're not going to live with your fiancé before you get married? And then they're going to say, you're not going to lie about your kid's age to get your kid's discount at Disneyland? Come on, be honest. <laughs> Folks, righteous living is how we let our light shine. And they see Jesus in us. They see that we're different. We choose to live the way Jesus calls us to live, and we choose to do good deeds for those who don't live as Jesus calls them to live. So letting your light shine doesn't take all of the kinds of holy words and heroic acts. Letting your light shine is simply doing good deeds for others. That's the big word, evangelism. Coming alongside someone, getting close to someone, doing some good deeds when they have a need. Then you're going to become the person they go to when times get tough. You're going to become the person they confide in when they need direction and counsel. You're going to become the person that they reach out to and they need some wisdom. 
And that's going to give you the opportunity to tell them how Jesus has helped you, how Jesus has given direction to you. You can invite them then to go to church with you. You can then share with them how Jesus lit up your life and brought you out of darkness. Evangelism is simply engaging and serving and inviting. So to let your light shine, engage with someone, serve someone, invite them to church, and you will see God move in this church, in your city, in the world, if you start engaging, serving, and inviting. I promise you, you'll see God move. The Bible says this. Take a look at this. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. And when just one person sees your light and comes to church and they invite Jesus Christ into his or her life as Savior and Lord, you will experience greater joy than you've ever known. Folks, you are the light, so let your light shine because, write this down, your light is contagious. Your light is contagious. Today, I want to share with you some simple ways that we can shine before others and become more contagious. And if you've been watching the news lately, you know that the measles epidemic is spreading across our nation and the world. And you've been hearing that when an infected person steps into an area, the measles virus can live in that area, that space, and infect others in that space for up to two hours. So here's the question. When was the last time that you were contagious for Jesus? When was the last time that your contagious love for Jesus lingered in a space two hours after you were gone and those who were there or those who stepped into that space were impacted by it, if not changed by it? When was the last time that you infected someone with Jesus? I mean, what would happen in our church and in our community if you and I were just as contagious as the measles? What would happen in our church and in our community if our lives were so infected with the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the message of Jesus that others just couldn't help but catch what we have, be infected with what we have? Listen, being contagious as a Christian in a church is really simple. You don't need any special magical theological words. When the measles are spread, it's not because someone says, hey, I want to know how to get the measles. Can you tell me how to get the measles? No, they're infected because they just got close to somebody who had the measles. Amen? They just got close to somebody. And when it comes to spreading the love and message of Jesus, you just need to get close to somebody and just be Jesus to them. You just need to get close to somebody and love them like Jesus would love them. Show compassion to Jesus like Jesus would show compassion to them. Serve them like Jesus would serve them. You just get close to someone and do what Jesus would do. You just model the life and love and grace and kindness and servant heart of Jesus. And they will look at you and they will want to catch what you've got. How do you do that? They'll want what you have. How can we be more contagious? How can we together as a church family infect more lives? Well, I mean, in just the next year, if you let your light shine to just one person, if you spread the love of Jesus Christ to just one person, and if we all did that to just one person, do you realize that God's family here at Canyon Hills would grow in one year from 500 to 1,000? 
Would that be good? Would that please God? Absolutely. And in the following year, if each one would bring just one, God's family would grow from 1,000 to 2,000. Would that be good? Would that please God? That many people coming to know Christ as Savior and Lord? And what else would that enable us to do in our surrounding cities and in our countries? So the question is, can you shine your light to just one? Can you get close to just one and be Jesus to just one this year? If so, we could bring hundreds to Jesus. If all of these lights went out and really shined for Jesus, what could that do in our city? What could that do in our church? Today, I want to share with you three things that we're presently doing to be more contagious and to bring more people to Jesus. Then I want to announce to you today one new thing that we're planning on doing to be more contagious and to bring more to Jesus. The first thing we're doing this summer is we're going to have the grand opening of our park over here. Amen? Amen. We're going to open the park. We're going to dedicate it. And we're going to use that park to bring light to the families in our surrounding cities. In just a few weeks, the park's going to be finished. We're going to have the grand opening. We're going to have a great uh, dedication time. And the grill's going to be going. Amen? <laughs> in just a few weeks, we're going to start all kinds of activities for the church family and for the, for the community. So you can expect basketball teams to form up. You can expect barbecues to happen. You can expect volleyball teams to happen. And, and when you walk out of here on Sundays, the basketballs are going to be out for your kids to shoot hoops. And I know some of you guys will be out there too, some of you gals too. And you can drink coffee in the middle and watch your kids on the, on the court shooting hoops. You can watch your kids on the play structure. You can have a great fellowship time. And I'm sorry, parents, but you're never going to get your kids to leave. Amen. <laughs> Amen. To go home. It's going to be a great, great time for our church family. But you can expect open court times that we're going to offer to our community to come and use the court. Your Belinda is short on basketball courts. And we're going to have certain times and certain nights when the lights are going to stay on and they can come and have a place to use right here on our campus. Outdoor concerts, worship nights outdoors, opportunities to you to host family events and celebration. Has your house ever been too small for one of your family events? We're going to open up this and let you have family events right here at Canyon Hills, right here at this church, your church. Now, we are so close to the finish line, and yet we need a little more financial help just to get to the finish line. Our commitment has always been for the park to be a cash basis only and to not even start construction until we had all the cash that we needed, and we did that. We chose to not start until we had all the cash in hand. But costs, kind of like car gas right now, after we started, costs just like car gas, boom, up just like that. We've had some costs uh, rise since we started. So we need your help to kind of seal the deal and help us get to the finish line. So if you want to pull out the little card that was handed, handed out to you today or look at it on the screen, it tells you all the areas that we need help. But about $40,000 more is needed for construction costs and $20,000 more is needed for equipment costs for a total need of $60,000. And so I want to give you a two-month challenge that over the next two months, if we had 100 people give an extra special gift beyond their regular giving, a special gift of $600, 100 people at $600, it amounts to $60,000. And so you can just write a check or put cash in an envelope. Uh, you can give online, but just designate it to the park. And I want to just challenge you to do that over the next two months, and that will get us to the finish line. No cards, no commitments. Just, let's just do that as a people. Now, I want to share with you 
when we were building this facility, most of you don't know that we were going to move into this facility and we could not afford the cross on top of the Church of Jesus Christ. Couldn't afford it. Didn't have the money. We were $57,000 short. One Sunday, a new couple visited and asked me what we needed to complete the facility. I shared with them, $57,000 short. The next Sunday, they brought a check for $57,000, and I never saw them again. Tried to track them down, tried to thank them. Never, you've heard about angels showing up and doing things? I don't know what it was. A check for 50, that's why we have the cross, that's why we moved in. When we were building our courtyard, fountains and baptismal, we were $40,000 short. And one day, a new man sat right back over here in the middle, Laura, right where you are, Sat right there, and we were $40,000 short. He visited. He asked me at the end of the service what we needed to complete the vision, and I told him, and he asked me to come to his house the next day. I went. I shared the vision with him again. I prayed with him, and I thought we were done. I got up to leave, and he handed me a check for $40,000. Now, I don't expect somebody to walk in and give that kind of amount right now, and I know that most of us can't give those kinds of amounts, but we all can do something a little bit extra for the Lord, to get our park to the finish line. Now, Shirley and I had been giving over and above our tithe to the park for several years because we believed that it's going to make a huge difference for our church family. It's going to make a huge difference to our community. And it was a part of that original vision that God spoke into my heart before we ever started Canyon Hills. So today, I want you to know that I want to start off that 100. This is my $600, and I want to start off and be giving the first $600 gift to the park today. So we only need 99 more, right? (laughs) And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Mine is getting turned in today. So folks, let's get this done. Amen? Amen. Let's get this done. In the next eight weeks, next two months, make an extra gift. Whatever God can allow you to do, whatever you can do is a step of faith. Watch how God uses it. Now next, the second thing we're doing is this, the new child care ministry. Now we exist to bring light to the families of our community, people that aren't even attending here. And one way we can do that is to help working parents by offering them Christ-like child care for their children. And we've not only started this child care ministry, but now we are expanding this new ministry. Would you please welcome Pastor Sherry as she comes to kind of give you some numbers. Good morning, church. I am so excited to share with you today, mostly because I get to see God's miracles every day now that we've started this child care and really see how we are impacting the city. And I want to share that with you because I'm really excited and proud about it and what we're doing here every single day. So first off, I'm so, so proud of our child care director and the staff that we have hired. Their intentionality with the students and the families and just how much they are showing Christ's love to everybody that walks through our door is just amazing. And they are so, so good. So please Um, Keep praying for them because you guys have prayed for the right people to show up and continually to pray for them as they are the hands and feet of Jesus every day on this campus. We are our own mission field now here every single day on this campus. The second thing is that we are doing this. This has been a long-term vision and it took a lot over the past year to start, but we are on our seventh week and it is happening. So really excited. I wanted to share some numbers with you. So we currently have 11 infants and six preschoolers in our program. The reason we only have 11 infants is because that's all our room will hold. And so we've asked the state for more room because we have a waiting list of 12 students. 
So as soon as we get to open our next room on July 12th, that room will be packed out as well, leaving a waiting list of four students. So July 1st, we are opening our second infant room, just leaving four more students on our waiting list for the infants. And our toddler room opens January 1st. And when it opens, because Kids get older every single day, and we know it goes by so fast. As the toddler room opens on January 1st, it will be full as well. So our nursery one will be full, nursery two will be full, and the toddler component, when it opens January 1st, will also be at maximum capacity. So as we start this fall, we're adding 19 infants and 10 preschoolers. And the most exciting thing is we started this thinking, oh, there'd be a lot of Canyon Hills people there, and we can serve our community too. But no, God has said there's going to be three Canyon Hills families there and 13 so far from the community that didn't know about Canyon Hills before and many don't have a church home. So that is just amen right there, right? You guys can say it. Come on. Let's go. Um, so we are serving 17 um, families in our child care so far without opening these other rooms that are opening soon. And three have already come to different events that we've thrown, either the hunt or a Sunday morning, just to see what Canyon Hills is all about. So we are serving our community and a place that they need it and really just growing God's kingdom, which is what we're here to do. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Amen. And then the third thing we're adding and doing is this. We're adding to our worship and our music ministry. And Kim Newmeyer will continue to be our worship and creative arts director. But we've asked now Elisa Hopper to join our staff to add to our music and worship ministry. And she said, yes. Elisa, will you stand up over here? <laughs> Far more goes into designing and rehearsing a volunteer team and leading worship than most people ever realize week after week. Elisa brings experience and skills that will add to our worship experience each weekend, and so we're thrilled to have you join our staff. Let's thank her for joining us. Now, the fourth thing we're planning on doing is this. We are partnering with our sister church in Juarez to start a new church, the new church plant. Recently, I felt God leading me to challenge Pastor Sergio in Juarez, the church that we planted 13 years ago, to think globally. Now, they've already planted a new church themselves three miles from their existing church. But God was just putting it on my heart to challenge them to think outside of Mexico and have a global kind of perspective. In fact, I felt God leading me to challenge him to partner with us, Canyon Hills, to start a new church right across the border in El Paso, Texas. And God was just speaking that into my heart. And so a few weeks ago, when Pastor Carlos and I went, we sat down with Sergio to plan for our fall serve team. And I began to ask Sergio these questions. First question, are you ready to start a new church outside of Mexico? And he said, see, sí. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you did, where would you like to start it? Where do you think God would have you start it? He goes, El Paso. Whoa. Oh. Would you like to partner with Canyon Hills? Yes. And do you have a church planter in mind? He goes, yes. What God was speaking into my heart, he knew nothing about. And he brought our hearts and our vision together. Amen. So this July, we're bringing here a potential church planter to assess his gifts and his calling and we both feel like he's the one that God is raising up for us to use. 
to start church number six out of Canyon Hills. Then we will approve him and we will join our sister church in starting the first Friends Church in southwestern Texas. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Folks, these four things are aimed at doing the main thing that Jesus has called us to do. They are aimed at shining the light of Jesus that's in all of us to others in our church, our city, and other countries. Now, the first three things that I mentioned, they're going to help more people come to our campus and hear Jesus and, Lord willing, come to know Him. And this church plant will help more people in El Paso hear about Jesus and come to know Him. So can you just put your hands together and let's just praise God for what He's doing through us. Amen. Amen. Because sometimes we get so busy and we get so busy doing our things in and and out every week, we forget that God is in us and God is working through us and he ain't finished yet. Amen. I thought I'd make it without crying today. But you are the light for your family, your friends, your neighbors, your school. You are the light and you put all of us together as hundreds of lights together and it's no... Only God can imagine what he can do through us. Amen? It's going to be an awesome time. Together, we are the light of the world, so let's shine. Let's be contagious for Jesus. Would you bow your heads in prayer? And as I pray this prayer, would you just think about saying, yes, God, that's what I I want to. Father God, as we celebrate 29 years of going to make more followers of you, We want your light to shine brighter than ever before through us. We want to be so infected with you that we are more contagious than ever before, helping others to catch what we have, a life-altering relationship with you. So today here at Canyon Hills, we commit to shine, Father. We commit to be more contagious by the doing of good deeds for others. And if you're here this morning and you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, but you'd like to, would you just simply pray this prayer sincerely in your heart? Dear Lord Jesus, I confess that I've lived in sin and darkness. I confess that I've not lived the way you want me to live. But today I ask for you to come into my life I ask that you forgive me, that you cleanse me and wash me, and that you make me ready to live with you in heaven. From this day on, best that I know how, I will follow you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, would you just lift up your hand and just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to, amen. Awesome. Awesome. Father God, we thank you for the blessings of what you've allowed us to do in the past 29 years. But God, we're looking forward. And we believe you've got something special that you're about to do in us and through us. So God, we commit ourselves to you. We're here to shine. We're here to make a difference. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Amen. (laughs) Amen.